Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Kayla McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. Hey everybody, it's Austin Cook, and we are back with a new episode of the Internet World Order, and today is a very special day. Not for any particular reason, but it's a special day, and it's because we're going to be exploring the 2010 masterpiece that is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ah uh, yes, and I'm so very happy, because we realized it's the 10-year anniversary. Well, August was, so we wanted to make sure before the year was out. We covered the 10-year anniversary of this, especially with the game finally being re-released. It was just a perfect time. It all lined up. It's perfect. And I have not seen this movie in a little while, but, oh, it's so great. It, it's fantastic. And, it well, no, it, it is great. But there's some things that we're going to talk about <laughs> while we're uh, on the subject because this movie is... Not perfect by any means, but it is quite a joy to experience and watch. So, without any further ado, we're going to hop right in. I first got my introduction to this movie. I never read the graphic novels, so I, I still haven't read them, unfortunately. I'm going to at some point soon. But I went into this completely blind, and my introduction to it, I remember actually seeing the trailer for it in theaters back in like 2009, like right before they started really pushing for it. And the trailer actually got messed up. So it cut out like halfway through and I was like, I'm so lost. I'm so, (laughs) that was my introduction to this movie was this weird trailer where I didn't understand what was going on. And Michael Sarah had superpowers and then (laughs) halfway through it was just like, "Eh," and I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you you, you need a full you need to see where yeah you need the full context otherwise you're gonna be like what is happening right but that, caleb has context for, <laughs> yeah, yeah well uh i'm actually the same as you i had not read the books beforehand though because of the movie i went to go read the books which honestly to me i think that's like one of the highest compliments you can give an adaptation of comics books anything is that the movie was good enough and made you and made me want to go read the source material. So like you, I saw this trailer. I can't remember what the movie was. I was watching like, but the trailer came on and I was like, Oh, this is like some weird rom-com with Michael Sarah, but why Michael Sarah? He's not a rom-com guy. And then the fighting game aspect kicked in and I was like, hold on. And at this time, I was eyeball deep into playing Street Fighter 4. So, and when I say eyeball deep, I don't want to look up how many hours I have logged into that game. It might actually make me embarrassed. So, don't be embarrassed I, of things you care about. <laughs> true, but like like I was obsessed. I was playing ranked all the time. I actually got my uh my Bison pretty high ranked on Xbox Live leaderboard. So just I give that context because at the very end of the trailer when he punches and you hear the KO that's from the street fighter alpha series. And I was like, I'm in. 
immediately i don't care what this movie's about i don't care i'm I'm immediately in for that one moment <laughs> it's like you hooked me <laughs> so it was quite the i'm like i said same for you just very unfortunate that the trailer cut out like that so at least my natural follow-up question did you watch it in theaters or did you watch it later like on dvd or something i didn't watch it in theaters because i was actually still pretty young at the time it was like right before i could start like driving to go to the theater by myself and I was just confused by it and I was like I don't I don't know what this is (laughs) my parents didn't want to see it either so like for me I was just like well I guess that's that for right now so (laughs) I didn't get the chance to see it until I was in I think I was in college when I actually first watched it which a lot of people are like what like uh, how have you not seen this movie (laughs) and I was like well first of all no one really saw this movie when it first came out. Sorry. That's just true. It's, <laughs> it's one of the few movies because a lot of times people like to throw cult classic onto a movie when it's like, no, it actually made a lot of money. I don't think you understand what cult classic means. Scott Pilgrim actually falls into that category because it lost money at the movie theaters. It did, which is really unfortunate because you can see that a lot of love and a lot of time and effort went into this movie. And when you look at the budget, you're like, yeah, that that, that kind of makes sense. But <laughs> this was really before, like, well, I, I wouldn't say before, but it was before comic book movies were as ingrained as they are with trust. And I add with trust because that's important. Like, when you have Marvel and DC, like, it's not the same thing. It is a different level. And, the, like, before that, we had, like, Hellboy and... That Fun. did pretty well, and but yeah. <laughs> I'm saying more <laughs> along the lines of like that era of like the 2000s because I, I think Spawn, well, number one, the Spawn comic series is amazing, and yes. the movie suffered from number one being PG 13, and number two, they didn't have the technology at the time to do it without raising the budget and skyrocketing it so high, which is really unfortunate. But this movie did have the budget. It just didn't have as wide of an audience as it was going to have because people over time started to appreciate it. It was, they went all in on it and a good amount of people saw it. But the thing is, is that not enough people saw it in order for it to really be like a takeoff hit because it's, it's a niche movie, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's why I said it fits the cult following like definition of it, it was something super uh, niche because it's an indie comic. So you don't have like you're talking about, you don't have that trust of, you know, putting X-Men on it or Superman on it or whatever. So it's a niche comic that had a small, but very dedicated following. And it's like, it's weird. Cause I think if Scott Pilgrim were to come out today, it would have just came out on, like on Netflix. It would not have gone to theaters. Oh, yeah. This would have been either Netflix or Amazon Prime for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine it being a theater movie, which, I mean, I'm glad they took a chance on it because now it's, you know, gained so much recognition and people love it mm-hmm. and can look at it. Like, it's used in scholarly analysis because of its style and, you know, what it really... Because it changed a lot. It, it did a mm-hmm. lot for, like, especially comics in general and also just... I mean, like niche stuff for the most part. Yeah. It, no, it proved that you can do it right. Even if it didn't succeed at the time, it, it took that hit so that it ran so everyone else could walk. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's true. Cause they, 
to your point, it went so all in. It's like he had them. He had the books. Then, uh, oh, which the final book published on the day the movie premiered. So they wanted that to perfectly sync up. And then you had a video game, which is like a, uh, a beat-em-up, kind of like Streets of Rage or Final Fight, that came out on the, I think, either on that same day or maybe like a few days after. So Universal, to their credit, was pushing this as hard as they could. Yeah. They went all in. And <laughs> I give them credit for that because... The- well, number one, like the cast and, you know, Edgar Wright and everyone involved is awesome. So mm-hmm. for me, I was like, well, why didn't it succeed? And I think it was just weird timing. It's too niche. And that's just too bad. <laughs> it really Cause like is. Into, yeah, because in 2010, streaming services weren't, you know, as synonymous with like everyday life as they are now. Because it's like a like you point out, like with Amazon Prime, The Boys is very niche, but because it's on Amazon Prime, everyone will give it a shot. Well, and, yeah, that and, and it because it's up. perfect for superheroes now too. Because everyone's so like, a lot of people either fall into the camp of like they love comics and they want to see them succeed. There's the people who were never really into comics but love like Marvel and Batman and whatnot. And then there's the people who hate it with a passion because it's popular and the stuff that they want to be popular is not. Sorry, I'm going for the jugular tonight. (laughs) You're not wrong. There's people who also just don't like it because it's not their thing, which is totally reasonable. And when I say these opinions out loud, don't think I'm trying to be mean because you can have an opinion on something all you want and that's completely fair. There's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I feel like a lot of people I know who are like, comics are stupid. Like, well, th- There's always been this negative stigma around comics and comic-related media. So, like, seeing comic stuff succeed, and now it's become so popular that there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, like, this is, like, it's it'll never be as good as the stuff that I like because I like is better. And... If that applies to you, I hope that hurts your feelings. So- <laughs> Come to the light side. We where we all just love whatever. We just dig everybody's opinions, good or bad. Right. Exactly. I <laughs> I love when people. There's so many things that I've discovered just by talking to people who have different interests than I do. Like, right. My girlfriend has introduced me to musicals because I wasn't <laughs> super into musicals before, and then she showed me Star Kid, and I was like, this is. Perfect. This, yeah. <laughs> like, we'll have to actually. I know that I'm just springing this on you now, Caleb, but we should actually probably talk about Star Kid down the line. I love Star Kid. Just like I'm a theater out. kid, so I'd be <laughs> remiss to not to not be for reviewing a musical. Perfect. All right, easy. Moving on. <laughs> but, but I do want to say uh, the other thing too, like, because so, we to really bring home, like I said, with this being niche. The other thing too is uh, Edgar Wright. Like he had two big comedies that came out, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. both fantastic comedies that, I mean, you can watch today if you're having a bad day and it will cheer you right up. And but I didn't realize Scott Pilgrim versus the world was the first time he actually used uh, special effects. Mm-hmm. And he had to actually go get help from like other people. Like he talked to like Spielberg and others of like, how do, how do, <laughs> how do you do this without it looking terrible? please help i'm imagining like poor will smith like in the pursuit of happiness like please help basically because <laughs> working with special effects is a completely different ball game than practical which is all he had done before then 
Yeah, which hats off to him, but also this movie does CGI so well. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it, cause and at this time, CG was starting to become, it didn't suffer. Like if you watch a movie from the late nineties, now that had a lot of CG and it just, you have to accept how well it hasn't aged. Mm-hmm. Uh, CG is starting to get better at this time, but it was still kind of a little wonky. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it got nominated credit, for, uh, well, didn't it get nominated for the Academy Awards? I'm not sure. Oh, actually. it got shortlisted. Okay, it got shortlisted, yeah. which I mean is That's kind amazing. of a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, this is the closest thing a comic movie had gotten before. Then was like, what, Dark Knight? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I so, think so. Which they screwed the Dark Knight, man. That was. Uh, I know, but just ugh, despicable. Who would have thunk in the same air as a Dark Knight would be Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> What I mean, I that? didn't like retrospectively. Yeah, it, it blows my mind. But back then, I I didn't care because I was like of a course. teen. <laughs> no, that, but uh, the other thing too with this, before we will break down the movie, I promise. Yeah, but, we'll get there. Uh, the the funny thing is too is I didn't realize, and there's a video I found where a guy broke down like the history of the movie and the game, and showed it to Austin so we can kind of, you know, uh, I guess be a little more prepared. I didn't know Edgar Wright had been working on the script for this movie for like six years. Oh yeah. This is a work in progress. If, if anything. <laughs> yeah. And he worked. Time. Yeah. And he worked hand in hand with, uh, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, Brian, I think it's Brian Lee O'Malley. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Like as, as soon, cause apparently Edgar, what happened was, cause people were like, well, how does this niche comic writer run into Edgar Wright? What happens? Edgar was somehow, one of the people that got a hold of the first book when it first released mm-hmm. and he read it, fell in love with it and immediately got the film rights for it. Yeah. Be- well, because they wanted a movie right after the first volume came out. So they were like movie. And he was like, mm, like we'll, we'll give it some time. So they, yeah. they've Let's been working the on this for goes. so long. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah. It's... And it's just, yeah. So I just, we wanted to like set the stage. So, uh, and one Scott other thing, Pilgrim. one other yeah. thing before we move on, we, you mentioned how Edgar Wright has like history with working with like comedies and all that, like practical effects. He also has a history of working with different actors who, mm-hmm. if there's any young kids in the room when you're listening to this, this isn't gross, but I just want to give you a fair warning. Edgar Wright has a history of having to work with actors who sometimes have to have CGI in order to remove their bulge from the yeah, movie because John Hamm in uh in Mad Men that's happened to him before and then Brandon Ruth uh or Routh I, I hope I said that right I'm sorry he, he for Superman they had to use CGI because right for everyone who's seen Superman Returns that suit is very tight so yes <laughs> it reminds me of a one year and I was trying to dress as Cyclops and someone's like, just wear tights. And I was like, no, it's like, but it sucks everything in. I'm like, that's not my fear. It's what is it showing off? Exactly. And (laughs) (laughs) it's not every suit that, you know, they have for that. It's going to be like Homelander suit and the boys where it's like, you can clearly tell that it's a suit. Like (laughs) it's, you know, it's, it's not trying to be realistic. It's just trying to be a costume. And I just think that's funny, but either way, it is funny. (laughs) <laughs> before now we can ju- jump into it caleb you were saying okay so 
like I guess I also want to portray because I have read the books as well. So we will kind of talk a little bit about the differences between the movie and the books because there's six books, but only one movie that's under two hours. So obviously there's a lot they had to leave out by natural process of being of the creative process. But this movie jumped right into it with the universal theme being an eight bit. So you immediately know this is different. And then it goes, uh, in the mystical land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. And you're like, yeah, but that's on purpose. That's on purpose. Like they want you to have that reaction because every person, well, and the one that doesn't, it's kind of equally creepy as he is, but everyone else. Reasonable people have a problem yeah, with this. Exactly. They're being like, why? Are you, wh why? And I did like the, where instead of having a lot of exposition of who everyone is, they just had the little like cards next to their next to them. Where it's like that. Scott, age twenty two, rating awesome, or like whatever. It was really funny. <laughs> so good, and it it quickly introduces you to uh, Scott and his band, Sex Bomb, and uh, which is like the most garage band name ever. I love it. And let's talk like about I, the music. Yeah. It's you know, so good. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because like they're trying to go for like, I don't know, bad garage band stuff, but it's like, but it's good. You you try to be so bad it's good. <laughs> yeah, they they had to like intentionally try and be bad at music. And I just think that's hilarious because the music itself is just so good. And it's kind of like in the same like there was a couple movies from this era that had really good music. Jennifer's Body being another one that had like really good indie music, like just kind of like show up throughout. And you're like, wait, hold on, time out. And <laughs> right. like come back. This movie, the soundtrack is ridiculous. The original it's music so that good. they wrote, I wish that there was more in real life because I love Sex Babom. I would buy a t shirt, I would go to their shows. Yeah. Oh. I would be completely like knives and just have the Miss Marvel looking t-shirt that has their name on the back. That's like crudely sewn together. Which if you're going to any advice for someone, if you're going to get a t-shirt, don't put your name on the back. It's kind of weird. It's yeah. <laughs> like, have it on the front and then I don't know, have a symbol on the back that you did it in the wrong order. Think about these things. <laughs> it's true. It's oh. called being a salesman. I and, know. and like I said, they, they establish, well, the, this movie just throws everything at you constantly. The pace is quick. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get thrown around of like, Scott's in this band, and he's, you know, and and yes, we will talk about this. of like He's kind yes, of a groomer, which is not okay. <laughs> right. But everyone's calling him out on it, being like, what are you doing? You're being a terrible person. Because he went through a messy breakup, and this is him trying to... It's a person who is not dealing with their feelings and their emotions correctly, which is a big theme of the movie. And you're just jumping back and forth. Cause then, you know, knives, uh, and it's like a Scott's sister, uh, Anna Kendrick, which I forget she's in this movie. Oh yeah. She's there's everyone's in this movie. Well, it's before they're huge stars. <laughs> this whole, like half of the world's like a list right now shows up in this movie at one point. Yeah, like we'll get to this in a like as we break it down further, but it's like Scott Pilgrim is like unintentionally the most important superhero movie of all time. That's not about superheroes. 
but you got um, Captain America, you got Superman, you got yeah. Captain Marvel. It- <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure Gideon, like, I think that's the same guy who played the evil uh, guy in uh, Iron Man 2. That was like the rival tech company. Uh, you're not thinking Justin Hammer because that was Sam. Oh, Marvel. okay. Then, never mind then. Yeah, like, I was like, just, wait a minute. <laughs> had a bunch of like, like it's just similar like, similarities, right? And then Punisher's in it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and his is the best because you do not expect it. But um, <laughs> and they do call him out. I mean, Anna Kendrick when she you know she finds out because uh Scott's roommate Wallace who he has some of the best one-liners in the entire movie. And uh, Wallace, like, Scott's like, hey, don't tell anyone I'm dating, you know, a high schooler, because obviously it's weird. And Wallace's like, you know me, immediately texts his sister. And she's like, what are you doing? You're being gross. Stop it. And he's like, but it's different. Shut up. You're being weird. And everyone's calling him out on it. Because there's even that time where, like, they go to the school, and Wallace is like, why am I here? Yeah, it's like, I'm a grown man. Like, this is gross. <laughs> what you're doing yeah. is disgusting. Oh, and- no, and he calls him out on it because he's like, well, it's not really a date. And he's like, it's just playtime. And Scott goes, that makes it worse. He goes, yeah. And he has that look on his face like, almost like you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to pick up on it? <laughs> like, Scott. <laughs> and when he realizes he can't get across to Scott, when Knives shows up, he just goes, you're too good for him. Run. It's <laughs> true. Oh, <laughs> poor knives. This whole, like, their whole quote unquote, I'm not going to call it a date. I'm not going to. Their experiences <laughs> together just makes me so uncomfortable because I was like, gosh, make it end. Like, don't, yeah. like, because she's so invested and she's trying and, like, she's trying to talk to him and, like, get to know him as a person and he's taking advantage of her and it's just, it, it's nasty. Yeah. It, it's really nasty. And then he meets. The lovely Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a.k.a. Ramona Flowers, who yes. is an Amazon delivery girl, which has aged. I don't know if it's aged well or not, but it's aged. <laughs> <laughs> because Amazon is what it is now. Like, Jeff Bezos is, you know, one. I think he's the richest man in the world, right? Well, in terms of, like, net worth, yes. Yeah. See, that's why I thought that this would go on Prime. That's the reason. <laughs> because she I was subconsciously like Amazon 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 that's funny yeah but yeah she's a delivery girl and uh and it's very much like like I said up until this point you just seen the band there's a lot of great one liners especially when you find out everyone just calls it, young neil's name is legit young neil no one ever <laughs> just calls him neil it's like community and it's, <laughs> it's so good and of course and yeah the I just want to mention the one liner where she's like because uh, Stills, who's like the lead guy, he's like, is she, can she, it's like, I want her to geek out. It's like, she has a geek, she can geek. She has a capacity to geek. No, I, I want her to geek out, like, like to like our music. It's like, oh no, she will. And just a quick back and forth is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But when he meets Ramona, he immediately is like, oh, I now know who I should be dating and, you know, not be with this high schooler. But, but, in uh, true, uh, humans not knowing how to properly do things. He doesn't do what he should do and immediately break up with knives. He decides to pursue Ramona while dating knives. Uh. Yeah. Like I said, it's, we were talking about this before we recorded of, I know some people, and I understand like if you have issue with it, but it's like you start 
a character off in a bad place so they have somewhere to grow so that way you can see that they're a better person at the end of the movie than they were at the beginning but that means you got to kind of suffer you got to you have to put up with that bad part and what helps in scott's favor is you see how everyone just kind of scott's life is very much falling apart and he's not acknowledging it so that's where you kind of do sympathize with him and mildly and, i guess <laughs> well like when you find out the apartment he lives with wallace like he owns nothing wallace is basically letting him live there out of sympathy yeah well and, pity at this point if we're being honest yeah <laughs> like it's pretty bad like i sound harsh but i don't have a whole lot of sympathy for scott i just like what they do with his character in the movie which is oh, important sure. that's the important part so <laughs> i mean it, it it's like movies do one of two things. You either get a character who starts off great and they end up bad by the end or someone that was bad and they ended up much better by the end. So Scott's pursuing Ramona and he, in the most awkward fact, like I, everyone has like bad dating stories or bad or stories of like when you try to like hit on someone and it went poorly. Scott's might be the worst in history. When he tries to initially hit on Ramona and just fails miserably. It's ugly. It's gross. I don't like I'm it. I'm just like, yeah, it's like a slow motion car wreck, but not in the, like, I want to watch. You're just like, please make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, he does fall for her and he st- bumbles and stumbles his way into a sort of date. They kind of just mostly hang out. Um, and they actually kind of become sort of a thing, not officially, but like sort of a thing, which uh, if you think that we're skipping ahead too fast, like, no, this is what literally takes place in the first, what, 20 minutes of the movie? Yeah, this movie moves at an aggressive pace. So if you're like, whoa, you guys are moving quickly. No, we're, we're just moving. because <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we haven't actually gotten to the, because he gets an email talking about the evil League of Exes. And of mm-hmm. course... Or as he keeps with seven evil ex-boyfriends, no, seven, seven evil exes. And um, he ignores it. And, uh, and it eventually leads to him fighting the first evil ex-boyfriend. And I just want to, okay, because I know how I felt. And I know I gave it early when I saw the preview of like how I felt. So I already knew I was like hyped the moment the movie takes a, major twist and starts becoming basically a fighting game. So I want to hear how you like what it was like for you, Austin. I was eating cereal and I spit it out because <laughs> I was so thrown off. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Mr. Pilgrim. And you're just like, hold on. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is a little dramatic. It was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, this, wait, wh- no. And it, <laughs> and he starts, to, it goes full Bollywood and I love it. Oh, it's perfect. It was hilarious. It, like, it's a little uncomfortable, but <laughs> this this movie, once it because once it goes all in, it doesn't turn back. And yeah. once I got over the initial shock of what am I watching, I because I chose actively not to look up anything about this movie because I wanted to be surprised, which I'm amazed that I dodged it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh man, I was... I was fully in at that point. Even if I had issues with some of it, I was like, well, I, I can't stop now. I- <laughs> exactly. It's like, it just, it just, it just kicked up to 11. I gotta see how it ends. But, uh, so, and we're, 
to keep this podcast from being just four hours long, we are skipping over a lot of like funny one-liners. Mm-hmm. And you like need to watch the movie and experience the one-liners yourself because oh like, I, I'm just going to say this now, like we're going to go over like some of the major plot points and some of the, like the funny things about it and like certain filmmaking aspects. But like on my end, I think I'm going to avoid like giving away some of the jokes because you just got to watch them. Like, otherwise we would just be explaining the movie and taking away from the fun experience. It is. Absolutely. And that's a good way to put it. So they're at a battle of the bands mm-hmm. and the first evil ex, Matthew Patel shows up who gets mocked for looking like a pirate because he does. He does. He, does. Um, he looks like an emo pirate, but, um, <laughs> and he just showed, cause like at first, like to your point, it's just, this like weird guys, not doing guys making a ton of mistakes when it comes to relationships and he's in a band that is way better than they're acting like they are. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then suddenly he shows up and they start fighting and they end up, proceeding to the next round of the tournament because the other band gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh really hard. That was that, that, that sealed this movie for me just beyond the initial shock of like, Whoa, this is different. But just <laughs> the fact that they rolled with it, they're like, all right, we're moving on. You guys are so like, stop. You win. Cause you're still alive. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny too. Cause it's like, uh, like the way Matthew Patel gets upset, he's like, what, you didn't read my email? I I skimmed it. You will pay for your insolence. And you're like, hold on. He was so sad. He's like, you didn't read my email? <laughs> he was like heartbroken. He's like, what? It's like, I told you all about this. Oh. It's like, I, I properly warned you. But, um. Okay. And real quick, like just housekeeping, like. Did all the other exes have to fight each other in order to date Ramona too? Or is it just when it reaches seven? I don't. I think because he kind of want to almost make it like a video game when he wrote the books. It doesn't seem like that was the case. Because okay. Gideon was definitely the last one. And yeah. she, when she got away from him, she moved to Toronto. So okay. Okay. I think it was like, because especially when you find out like a lot of these guys are exes. I'm just sitting there going, guys, are you really an ex-boyfriend if you only dated a week? I mean, exactly. And I was like, which I'm like, which I know people on the surface are like, well, that's flimsy. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point of the movie of of people holding on to the past too much and letting it turn them into better people. There's a, Uh, there's a theme here. (laughs) Yeah. You'll notice like, exactly. And especially when you find out little things like the drummer, Kim, who is, she almost still, there's several side characters that nearly steal the movie. Every character steals their own scenes. Which is I know. Important. <laughs> exactly. One, another example, of like if you want really interesting side characters where people will watch a whole movie just for them, this movie is a great example. Yep. And, I agree. Uh, yeah. And you find out Scott and Kim dated in high school, and he's like, "Oh no, we're totally fine." And it's like, "No, Kim is clearly not over it." And you're, yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then they address that later. But um, so they fight, and that's when. Ramona reveals to Scott, you're going to have to feed my seven evil exes to date me. And Scott just rolls with it. He's like, so that means we can make out. I was like, oh, you have the mentality of a high schooler. Yeah. He well, emotionally, <laughs> he is not mature. <laughs> no. And that's part of his problem yeah. is that he's yeah. the guy. 
especially when he showed knives where he grew up and it's across the street from where he lives now. Oh, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so I was like, that was yeah. one of the funniest parts of the whole movie besides the end, which we'll get to. But <laughs> Right. And so he beats the first evil Lex and starts getting, I guess you can say at this point, they really start like quickly because the first, like I said, 20 minutes before the first evil Lex, they're very much world building. But now they're really starting to like dive into like, you can say like the meat of it. Mm -hmm. of like the relation between scott and ramona and then wallace tells scott hey if you're gonna date ramona you have to break up with knives you have no choice now (laughs) exactly because if you're gonna commit to one you have to break up with the other and scott's like well that's hard he's like "Eh." and basically telling him like you gotta be an adult for once i don't care if it's hard be be an adult you're 22 years old make it yeah i mean he very much is a man child look and that's that's his character flaw and then as we were alluding to then we they, you don't you don't see him yet but they allude to the second evil ex of lucas lee because wallace is stalking him because it's a celebrity crush and you get to watch captain america act like this like every action star like fuse into a single person it's amazing it's it's I, there's a lot of best parts in this whole movie, which <laughs> just, just just talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially like when you see like the little clip of like, so you get an idea of like what kind of actor and movie star he is. Where he's like, in, like he limps to the photo, the phone booth that's somehow still working. He <laughs> <laughs> goes, the next thing you're here is two clicks. The first is me hanging up the phone. The next is my gun. And he was like, oh, my God, he's like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I think I want to hope that that's who they base his character on. It makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It makes a ton of sense. But I, I also really want to talk about because from this point forward, like Scott doesn't just use his stupidly inhuman mega strength, which is hilarious when I'm referring to <laughs> Michael Sarah. like no offense, Michael Sarah, but like, <laughs> it's, like it's true. He, he fits the character perfectly, but it's just, it's just funny to me because it's like, I don't buy it. And that makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> they very much go with that anime logic of they can just wail on each other and somehow they're not bleeding, bruising, no concussions. Yeah. And it's just, all just silly. It would be a boring movie without all this. <laughs> yeah. It literally fights like a video game where, cause like if you play street fight, I mean, Mortal Kombat shows damage now. But like if you play the older motor combats or Street Fighter, where you never see them actually getting hurt. Yeah. Even though you're wailing on them. They're just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally using that same logic, which, yeah, to your point, it's hilarious. God, it's so funny. And the way that he defeats this character by like using his own, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I bet you can't pull off this stunt. And he's like, oh, yeah. And his own hubris gets the better of him. And which is good writing, number one. And yeah. That Scott finds different ways to beat each of the exes. Which is exactly what a good, smart character should do in this kind of a movie. And I appreciate... Well, number one, it's just good writing. And mm-hmm. number two, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I don't have to just watch like CGI fights the whole time. Because they would lose their luster. Yeah, especially when there's, you know... Well, seven exes, but six fights. Mm-hmm. So, and I know we skip a little bit, like, but Lucas Lee... When they go, because they go on the film set, and because Scott was worried that he's going to, you know, ruin his date with uh, Ramona, because now he's broken up with knives. He did the right thing, finally. Only took 30 minutes. But um, 
they have a date and Wallace is like, okay, fine. When you strike out in an hour, come find me at the set. And right at 60 minutes, they go to the set, <laughs> <laughs> which I almost don't want to ruin the, the, the don't line. Ruin it. No, okay. Don't good. Sorry. <laughs> but the, one of the absolute best lines, I almost think in almost any comedy happens during their, that 60 minutes of their date. So just, just know it's there. And, um, so they go to the set and of course it starts playing the universal theme again when Lucas Lee comes out. Dude, there's so know. many moments like that throughout this movie that just kill me. When he did a dun dun, he like cracks his neck. <laughs> oh gosh. And I loved it too. Cause like Scott initially has to fight his stunt doubles. He doesn't fight Lucas himself. <laughs> I'm nothing without my stunt team. <laughs> Which almost kind of makes him a good guy. <laughs> right. He's like, he put you put some respect on stunt people's names. I'm just going to say it now. Absolutely. <laughs> put their lives on the line so that we can watch a movie and then people criticize it. The audacity. And <laughs> right. But, uh, and so Scott, of course, and I love that they didn't show like how Scott beats them. You just know he does. Right. Which less is more sometimes uh, to your point of, so that way you don't get like desensitized to when actual fighting does take place. Yeah, and, it's kind of like the people's common like criticism of uh, Man of Steel. Like the last, like there's just so much Superman like violence and fights that you're almost just like, uh, it. No, and that's fair. But yeah. um, I may not yeah, agree I, with it, but I get it <laughs> exactly. And but <laughs> as you explained, he gets when Scott realizes he can't beat Lucas because he realizes he got lucky beating Matthew Patel. Let's be honest. He should not have beaten him. No, of course not. He got lucky because <laughs> Matthew Patel was too busy acting like a Bollywood singer. And um, so when he realizes he can't beat Lucas, he convinces him to go grind down uh, a very dangerous rail because it's covered in ice and it's like 200 steps. <laughs> Scott's like, are you saying you're chicken? You're trying to goad me into doing something stupid, bro. He's like, there are women watching. And the heartbeat when he looks and <laughs> and he looks back. It's like dun dun. He's like, bring me my board. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Wallace just comes up and goes, Hi, Hughes fan. And he just cracks his neck. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> oh gosh. I was I losing it. I just, it's so funny too because knowing what Chris Evans is now like being like the ultimate symbol of like a good person in Captain America and seeing him play the total opposite in Lucas yeah. Lee seeing him play this character and knowing like number one how good of a person he is in real life and number two like the character that he's most well known for portraying just it's funny it makes it even better like oh, that's absolutely. the beauty of retrospect <laughs> and so the grind does kill him because as this movie always does, it goes over the top because somehow he was grinding at 200 miles an hour or kilometers an hour. Sorry, Canada. Right. Um, and it, he dies. And whenever an ex dies, we didn't mention this with the first one, they explode into quarters and you get points. So it's an arcade game. <laughs> and the best part is to your point of like how they just kind of shrugged off when the band got killed. No one bats an eye at the fact that a major A-list celebrity just died. Just got basically almost murdered. 
Like, yeah, it's kind of murder, but not really. <laughs> it's like, is it still murder when you talked him into doing something stupid? Yeah, he, has, <laughs> he has deniability, I guess. I had fair. I don't I don't look these things up. <laughs> no, no, at that point, that's almost like explaining a joke. It's like, OK, sure, you'll understand it. But now it's not funny. Right. I was like, well, that was. But it's just it's hilarious. I like there's like and cut. Like your main star just died. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do now? Eh, they can just use the stunt doubles, I guess. That's but, true. There was like twelve of them. Oh, can we talk about Todd, please? Oh my God! Yes, please. Okay. Well, first, it's we have hilarious. to set him up. We have to set him up because uh, the reason why Scott was dating was making bad choices with knives and everything else is he got he had the really bad breakup, like the kinds that just rip your heart out and just leave you in a puddle mm -hmm. and it was the girl's name well he said her name used to be nat then she started calling herself envy because her music career took off and it's brie larson so captain marvel dated scott pilgrim which and... let, let's talk about this for a minute i just wanted i don't buy it hey man i don't buy it we also don't know what I mean because you can't when you see the pictures behind when she's talking to him on the phone. So you see what she looks like pre like mm -hmm. career taking off, where she kind of looks more, I guess you could say like girl next door versus like Well, I, I wouldn't put it that way. I, I don't disagree that like you know, like I'm talking more of just like because of what of Saint what I've seen of Scott and who I think he is as a person, I immediately am just like mm, I don't know if I buy <laughs> like someone like it just it's just weird. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, hey, there's I can't tons of couples it. that sometimes you go how? Yeah. It's like, I can kind of buy it, but I also just am like, mm, really? <laughs> like, and it was, it was hilarious listening to Brie Larson basically do a Valley girl voice. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> funny actually. Yeah. Very breathy and very like every question, every sentence ends like a question. <laughs> like a and, question. And, Scott uh, Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> okay fine i'm jealous you're jealous of me yeah i'm allowed to be and you're like what is happening right now <laughs> oh it's so funny i love that's the scene my favorite joke well one of my favorite jokes from the whole movie was when knives was poor knives and she cut her hair and like yep she's trying to get his attention and it has the little comic blurb of her going no <laughs> like, <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that. Oh, my, it, it, I felt bad because I was like, that's so sad. But no, my favorite was when Steels goes, come on, guys, we need to get bigger. We need to have, we need to have stalkers. And right when he walks away, you see knives against the window. I was like, leave her alone. <laughs> and she takes, because there is a subplot of knives thinks Ramona stole Scott. Whereas so she's Scott being a terrible person. Exactly. And. So she's going to model herself after Ramona being like, okay, I guess he's just into that sort of thing. So I'll look like that. And which I'm like, well, like I said, that I mean people making bad decisions. It's what people do, especially when, when relationships are involved. And uh, so they get to, so they get to the, uh, and they've been hinting at it. Cause one of the things this movie does well is they'll have little indicators in the scenes of like three X's or two, or the number two or whatever. So you know which X you're on and little things like that throughout the scenes that you might not pick up the first time you watch it. So they get to the concert because basically, uh, Envy's band called clash of demon head is 
doing a secret show and they want sex bob to uh be their opening act and so when they go up to play he's like oh it's really good because scott goes oh so that's todd and ramona goes i know oh <laughs> you know i do oh no and todd is mad dogging him the entire time while playing bass he's just ripping on bass and he's just <laughs> Just death staring him the whole time. Oh gosh, Brandon Routh is the best. I, <laughs> I just, I remember when I watched this in college with some friends who hadn't seen it, and I was kind of explaining to him like, "Yeah, it's hilarious that Lucas Lee is formerly Captain America." And we got to Todd. He goes, "Did this guy play a superhero?" I'm like, "Yeah, which one? Superman." And he goes, "Oh, I was like, yeah, and he's significantly more powerful, like Superman." <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and of course, and then after the show, because Scott was like, oh, crud, I got to fight this guy at some point. And, and you don't want to fight. <laughs> no, you don't want to fight Todd. He Todd's is, a bad man. <laughs> Todd is like, I would argue, honestly, he's like the second most powerful behind maybe Gideon only. Yeah. And even yeah. then, it's probably close. I would agree with and, that. I think that's a reasonable statement. Yeah. And so they go to the back because they have like a little VIP thing. Which is, okay, when Knives has that re revelation of like, how do you know Impy? Because she adores her. It's a role model. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, Scott, you sedate her. And she's like, what? There's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and the, and it's not subtle. They're, if you think, oh, they're being subtle. But no, if you're picking up on it, it's by design. And um, they're talking. And of course, you immediately find out Todd is just the ultimate jock, just terrible person of like i'm bet like dodgeball of i'm better than you and i know it mentality yeah. and it, it's kind of funny because it's like it's the play on like you know the pretentious vegan and you're like okay he's one of those people that like thinks he's better or like treats himself like such a god because he's vegan instead of yeah. just being vegan <laughs> yeah <laughs> which a and... lot of people like there's obviously a debate behind it that we're not going to get into but he's essentially the evil vegan without yeah it's not his veganism that makes him evil it's his attitude about it that makes him oh evil. no yeah absolutely because <laughs> they're hinting at it. of course brandon especially compared to michael sarah is just like who is this child next to this grown man and uh they do establish him very quickly being like he is definitely much more vicious than the previous two evil exes because he gives knives a right hook yeah that was not sick that was <laughs> no, but that was the I didn't point like to immediately be like, this guy's worse than what you've seen so far. Yeah. Ugh. And it did have that moment where it's just like young Neil's just sitting there going, he punched the dye out of her hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think that line was there to help ease that immediate tension you would have of, oh. Yeah. I can guarantee that when the audience saw that, they were not comfortable because. And that's why you needed that immediate comedic line to be like, oh, okay. Oh, um, yeah. But of course, he Scott immediately tries to fight him, and then the bass off. <laughs> Todd, dude. Todd reveals his powers. His eyes go pure white, and he's a you know telekinesis, and just throws Scott around. His veganism gives him powers, dude. I was screaming. <laughs> he was like, I, I cut know. it from my vegan diet, and I was just like cackling. I the best part too is Scott's like, wait, but can't anyone be vegan? Octo-lavitarian, maybe. 
<laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> it's like, I do not partake in the meat or the breast milk of anything with a face. <laughs> and he's like, and Scott's like, what does that mean? And then he's like, it means he's better than you. Bingo. <laughs> like Scott gets thrown straight into the sky. Gosh, dude. And then the base off they had. Like this entire fight is just ridiculous. It's the best fight in the whole movie. But when they had the base off and they were acting like it's this earth shattering, like big deal. Number one, no. I'm and that's coming from a bass player. I play bass and even I'm like, stop it. <laughs> like, you're, you're a bass player. Like, <laughs> know your like, rank. It's like D D D D D D D D. And Todd just like someone wants to get funky. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, I was laughing so it's so Oh, I love this movie. Because <laughs> Michael Sarah was, we, and we talked about it off air, like Michael Sarah does know how to play bass really well. So he has to pretend to play badly. Yeah. And, and you can almost tell that he's like stiff because he's like, oh gosh, I know how to play. And it, <laughs> yeah. It's that thing of like, it's like someone who knows how to sing. So they sing terribly, but you can tell they know how to sing terribly. It's a weird paradox you find yourself in. And uh, <laughs> they have the bass fight, which of course Scott loses soundly. Yeah, th- there's find- this isn't close. This- <laughs> no. Scott is absolutely, and you notice this in every fight. Scott is getting lucky, or he outsmarts the X. That's a common theme here, is he gets bailed out somehow. And then you find out, apparently, thanks to vegan powers, you can also read people's minds. <laughs> so he's basically Jean Grey. And... uh. He has that moment where he's just like, hey, muchacho, you want to drink to your victory? And he's like, dude, I know you put half and half in that to make me break vegan code. So <laughs> it's like there's a vegan code. And um, he takes the other one, of course, and it's a classic. Gott was like, no, I actually put the half and half in the one you took. I just thought about my cup really hard to trick you. And <laughs> it's a classic thing of like, you know, the I tricked you. You know, you you know, I I knew that yeah. you knew that I knew that you knew. It's like Princess Bride, it- <laughs> and essentially. And I wouldn't be shocked if that was literally what they're referencing. I was half expecting Scott to say, "I put half and half in both, so I'd be safe either way." But um, uh, as soon as he drinks it, he goes, "You just drink half and half, baby." His eyes go out, his hair comes down because his hair goes goes up like a Super Saiyan, which is hilarious, <laughs> and immediately. The vegan police bust through the wall. <laughs> and this is a sentence I'm actually saying. And it's one of them's Thomas Jane. <laughs> Which is, if you forget, Punisher. That, yep, the Punisher busts through the wall. Oh gosh, dude, I was losing it. I had to pause the movie. <laughs> Number one, just with the the speed with which they burst through the wall had me rolling <laughs> on the floor laughing. And then they were like, we're the vegan police. And I, <laughs> I know, he's like, no, break vegan code. No vegan powers. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. But it's a three strikes law. This is my first strike. Nope. He goes, read it for a man. He breaks out the notepad. And it's like, you willingly ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs. <laughs> it's like, oh. And then he goes, the best one was like, then you ate chicken parmesan, which even Envy goes like, oh. it's like, chicken isn't vegan. God. <laughs> and, I, and since Brandon Ruth Ralph uh, played superman it still cracks me up that it's a green beam that takes away his powers 
they did that on purpose. One had to be. It was probably his idea. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I played Superman. P- the people that understand the reference will get it. Yeah, <laughs> and if not, there's no harm done. It, exactly. <laughs> it's the perfect type of reference. Either you get it or you don't, and it's fine either way. And of course, Scott. At this point, you kind of are cheering for him because it's like because now that he's done the right thing with knives, he's trying to just not. At this point, he's trying not to die. And he he can best be described as he's trying his best because mm-hmm. he tries to give a one-liner to, Scott, to Todd. Scott, don't. <laughs> I know, he's like, you used to be a vegan, but now you'll be gone. And Todd's like, vegan? And then he just gets headbutted into oblivion. <laughs> oh, it's so... Uh, it, it's perfect for what it is. I that That whole... That scene was hard to follow up for me personally. Not that the rest of the movie's bad, but it's just, it's so good that you're like, wow, they really got to step up their game from this point forward. And I will say too, like, and we'll talk probably more about this once we finish talking about the movie itself, but in the book, Todd is a monster to deal with. Because like, there's a point in the book where that band that died during the first Evil X actually survives until the third book to fight because they actually team up with scott to fight todd and he immediately kills them yeah it's you're just like oh this guy's a monster yeah you're so like, to your point oh <laughs> yeah so you're just like uh how do you follow that up and it's like and they're not and the good thing is they don't try and top it because every fight is unique in its own way mm-hmm. the speaking of which um he didn't fight roxy right he did at the end, not initially. Okay, because, yeah. Uh, initially, she was going to be the third X. But then he was like, can we not do this right now? Fine. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Because at this point, this was when Scott was starting to get like upset. He's like, I got to fight these powerful vegans. And like he breaks up with, or Ramona breaks up with him. He doesn't break up with her. He, of course, he's not. No, he, yeah. he's out of his league. He knows this. He's just being a crybaby. <laughs> well, to be fair, he has nearly died three times at this point. Yeah, but you know what? He has superpowers. Get over it. You, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Scott. <laughs> yeah, but, but he is barely winning and like he's having to outsmart them. And it's like, it's one of those things of how long can you stay lucky? Mm-hmm. And so I get it's one of those like, I get it, but he is very much being a crybaby. And he, you see it because the tension starts to grow between the two of them where he's just like, please, can you just tell me who else to expect? So yeah. I at least have an idea of what the, I'm fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and this next fight, actually, it's kind of cheating, I think, because he had help. But this is probably the most unique fight in the whole movie. Absolutely. And I love, I'll go ahead and say, I love the Soul Calibur reference. It turned into yes. a Soul Calibur fight. Yes. Yes, it did. And it was awesome. And it, <laughs> they stepped up their game. Again, It's I still love the Todd fight the most out of all of them. But this is such a great example of how to be unique in your fights. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're, it's a battle of a bands. And it's basically just a DJ versus like, well, two DJs. I'm oh, sorry. Not that, <laughs> that before. Because Roxy's before that. Yeah. Roxy, Roxy's before that. But no. I'm talking about the twins, Kyle and Ken. Of course, yeah, because that, yeah. that fight's unique in its own way. But when they go to the, after beating Todd, they go to a uh, bar to kind of chill for a minute because Scott's had quite the day. Because you don't know how much time has passed, but you know it's not much. 
between these three fights. Right. It's been maybe a couple days at most. Yeah. And so they go to the bar. And of course, there's a giant four as they're walking into the bar. <laughs> and I just, I love it. It's that thing of like, it's the subtlety of a brick to the head. Yeah. But I it, love intentionally it. not subtle is the point. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I mean, it's supposed to be kind of like a graphic novel and graphic novels are not subtle. No, so, um, no. Well, not unless we're talking about like Alan Moore, but that no, doesn't for, count. I mean, yeah. if, if, like the, if you're dealing with a writer who is that way. But, yeah. um, so they go in there and then Roxy shows up because the whole movie, they kept saying, Scott kept saying seven evil ex-boyfriends and Ramona kept reminding him seven evil exes. It's like, what, why do you keep saying that? And then Roxy showed up and you're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and of course, Scott immediately is like, I can't fight girls. I know I, I, I can't do it, which I do get that. Um, and initially Ramona actually steps up and starts fighting for him. Right. And which like should I said, have been his cue. <laughs> right. Of uh, like, take advantage while she's distracted. You stupid person. But, um, so Roxy pulls out the whip, which is especially with the way the whip works. I'm like, Oh, you're basically Ivy. And then Ramona pulls out a giant hammer, making her like Astaroth from soul caliber. And they just start going at it. And it's super unique. And it, of course, a little DJ beat in the background. Uh, it's like in tune with the fighting and it's really cool. Yeah. Visually, it's almost, it's very stunning. Mm-hmm. And like, to your point of very different from the previous, we're on our fourth fight and it still feels unique. Yeah. And I'm not overwhelmed at this point. Like I'm actually really engaged in, in what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And of course, and, and uh, Ramona actually holds her own. She's actually really good. Yeah. You find out. I would have liked to have seen more of her doing this in the movie. I, right. <laughs> just as they said, no, I agree. But they did. It's like Roxy told Ramona. It's like Scott has to beat us, not you. Mm-hmm. Those are the rules. Which I know what you're thinking. Well, who made the rules? It's like, dude, it's like a video game. Just roll with it. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? Like, it, it brings up so many questions. I thematically, it makes complete sense. But I but, was like, what are like, if if she's dead, who's gonna be like, hey man, that's not fair. Like, no one's gonna be like well you have to redo it like oh yeah like <laughs> yeah we're gonna resurrect her but uh which is possible in this universe yes um but i don't know i, I just took it like it's the video game logic of it it's like once again playing street fighter or mortal Kombat. whatever whatever character you choose has to go through that ladder not somebody else yeah it makes sense <laughs> so and this is literally scott is climbing that ladder trying to get to gideon you know, slash, you know, Shao Kahn sort of thing. And um, so Scott realizes, and it was really unique because Ramona basically grabs like Scott's like arms and starts helping him like fight. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. he's just refusing <laughs> to fight a girl. That's so funny. And, dude, it's really well done. And of course, and she separates them because he's like, fight your own battles. Yeah. And. That's the I don't whole point of this whole movie. <laughs> exactly. Own up to your stuff. Scott, be an adult. <laughs> be <laughs> responsible. Yeah, it's a coming of age movie in a very strange way. But um, I don't know. I'll watch the movie to see how he beats this one. Because yeah. I don't know how to describe that properly. <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much of it. I, <laughs> but it, it is genuinely it. hilarious. And her last her line before she disappears, hilar- like... I remember in the theaters watching this with my two friends. We were dying. 
It, and yeah, I almost funny. fell out of the chair. It's hilarious. <laughs> this whole movie's hilarious. And of course, by this point, like, and this is where you're talking like, this is where Ramona breaks up with Scott because mm-hmm. he is just fed up with it. Right. And they're still fighting. That's the funniest part is he still has to fight all of them. <laughs> yep. It's not over. Yeah. And he's, well, this maybe is another great email. fight. This is uh, the Kata Yanagi twins, the DJs. This is yes. the one that I, because I, I accidentally skipped over. Um, but this is, this is very interesting too. It's kind of cheap because he's getting help from Sex Bobomb. And I mean, Okay, semantics, but <laughs> it, it's important to the story because basically the entire battle of the bands is like the subplot of like, oh, well, you know, they need to win this battle of the bands and get a record deal. And we're looking at like his band also fighting, but like he's doing the fight, but he has some backup because he's fighting two evil exes at the same time. And they have like the dragon coming out of the lights and like sex, but bo- it's it's so cool. Oh, it's, it's so dude, good. Visually- Dude, and it still looks great now. Yeah, visually, it it's, it's like stunning. And because uh, I know in the books, the, the twins fight is odd to say the least, and not like in a bad way. But I understand the direction they went with this one, and I'm glad they did. It's handled better in in the movie, I, which yeah, because yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, just leave it that way. But but it's funny because like because it's it's almost like there's a tournament within a tournament because while Scott's moving his way up the ladder to get to Gideon, his band is still moving up with him. Yeah. And he's not fully <laughs> there with them too. He's negating his responsibilities and his commitment with them too. And yeah, understandably and a- making them upset because I would be upset if I were them too. Oh, no, like, dude, think about the band, the band, the band, the band, the but, band. Um, Come back. Uh, <laughs> and is at this fight when Scott discovers who Gideon is. And that is G-Man, who is the guy they're trying to get a record label with, which is hilarious. I mean, you could probably see it coming a mile away. Yeah. It's still it's hilarious. It's not subtle. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not meant to be. It's like it's, a video game storyline. That's the Subtlety point. is not. The, yeah. <laughs> that's the entire point of the whole thing. And I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah. And, of course, and, it, and once again, like, actually, I, I think it's on Spotify, the whole like sequence of the twins fighting Sex Bob-omb. It's a really like put together. It's actually a really fun little kind of like having a rock band versus techno, essentially. Yeah. It's, and, there's a lot of layers to this, like that are subtle and not subtle at the same time. And like th- they're thematically subtle, but like visually like bonking you over the head. And yeah, <laughs> I think as, that's funny. Yeah. As Sex Bomb fights two guys that I'm still convinced are the Ryu and Ken stand ins. But um, yeah. at the very end, <laughs> When he beats them, they, he starts getting the highest score and starts climbing, which is hilarious because I guess because of course you beat two of them, and he so gets a, a he gets an extra life for that. Oh, I, yes, <laughs> which is like, important. That comes back pretty quickly. That's <laughs> yeah. Because like, what are you doing? Getting a life, and it's like, uh. But um, he oh, there was that. Okay, this movie has a really good way of like you're like, it's moving along very quickly, and then you just hit a brick wall. To like for a certain moment, and then it goes right back to breakneck speed, because Scott's charging over to go talk to Ramona, to basically apologize and realize, hey, I've been you know, a bad person, and then just immediate brick wall if he runs into knives, yeah, and his you literally can see the blue screen of death going on in his head, right? Well, like, it is his fault. 
it's his fault. <laughs> and yep, that's the yep, and we get to that. And um he gets to Gideon them and Gideon basically goes, Hey, she chose me over you. I win. You lose. You suck. And that, yeah, I don't I don't even remember if you're paraphrasing or not. <laughs> no, that, well he doesn't say it quite like that. And I love the fact that his lemo is playing under my thumb from the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that see, that's subtle. That's good subtlety. I get, <laughs> yeah. And oh, just to prove how much of a because every axe is different in their own way. So so you're kind of saying like because you've gone through all this craziness with different powers and abilities and weapons. So it's like, okay, so what makes Gideon the final boss? And not only does he go, oh, by the way, uh, she chose me, so scram. He goes, but I like you guys, so no hard feelings. I'll sign you to a three-label deal or a three-record deal. And Scott's like, well, I can't do that. Young Neil just shows up with a bass going, I'll do it. Yeah. And Scott <laughs> immediately gets kicked out of the band. Yeah, well, because he kind of protested. He kind of quit, and they were just like, well, Bye. Young Neil's <laughs> here. They're like, you can go. And he... <laughs> So Gideon oh. literally takes everything from him. And, and he's like, hey, man, look at it this way. If it wasn't for me, Ramona would have never met you. But if she never met you, she never would have come back to me. So it all works out in the end. Okay, bye. And you're like, wait, that doesn't work out at all. That's not how <laughs> this works. <laughs> yeah, that's not how this works at all. And of course, the best part, not best, but like another layer to this is Scott gets told by Wallace he's getting kicked out. Because mm-hmm. Wallace is like, I don't want you here anymore. Leave. And he's just waiting for, he's really banking that him and Ramona will hit it off so Scott can move out and Wallace won't feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I really hope so. I don't feel bad about kicking you out. And there's that moment where Scott's saying, yeah, so uh, she left me for Gideon. And, and Wallace is like, it's probably just because he's better than you. <laughs> you're like, dude. He's where's the lie though? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, morally, I guess Gideon is just as bad, if not worse, than Scott. But Scott is at least Scott's changing over the course of this entire movie. Oh yeah, Gideon like doubles and triples down. Yeah, he gets confronted. he gets worse, which is why he's the main villain of the movie. Like he yeah. he's not the antagonist. Like in. In story writing terms, I would argue that Ramona Flowers is the antagonist of this movie. However, the villain of the movie is absolutely Gideon. And oh, yeah. <laughs> because no, and she's forcing him too. to change. Like, that's the whole mm-hmm. point of, like, that's why I don't complain about there being seven different, like, quote-unquote, villains in the movie. Because they're not the antagonist. They're just the obstacles that Scott has to overcome in order to change to be with Ramona. Mm-hmm. interesting little I've, tidbit of information there for any writers. <laughs> oh, no, and that's true. That's a fantastic point. Cause a lot of times people think antagonist and main villain are the same. And most of the times, yes, you're right. But this is one of those exceptions where yeah. it's not, they, they and, can be both. That's the, but they also don't have to be exactly. And this is an example of how you can separate the two and it works. And so Scott finally decides to man up because he gets a little, sort of pep talk from Wallace. Yeah. Well, that sort of? and he finds out um No, wait, never mind. I, not yet, I I'm not skipping yet. ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But no, Wallace just gives him that pep talk of like, "Hey, go get him." 
it's like basically saying like if she's worth fighting for you'll go give it a shot which i'm like it's not the worst he's not wrong yeah yeah it's like <laughs> if it's worth fighting for go fight for her then prove yourself exactly. and and i loved his like suiting up process because like dun dun and then like pauses so he can tie a shoe <laughs> <laughs> and he runs off he gets to the chaos theater and makes his way down i won't give away how because it's legitimately yeah. funny how he gets past some people. You need to watch and, it. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I'm, that's why we're only saying some of the jokes. And there's a ton we have over we have overlooked on purpose so you can enjoy it for yourself. But um get to the bottom. And of course, Sex the Bomb, which honestly I kinda their outfits look pretty good in my opinion. But Yeah, um, but their music was intentionally bad, which I thought was hilarious because they're like, Yeah, they sold we're out. We're sellouts, our music is different and boring. And I, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love uh the the guy that knows everyone is like in the background. And not the first time, but the second time, just a little joke. It doesn't spoil anything. But he actually makes that comic goes, Well, yeah, but the comic's way better than the movie. <laughs> and uh so Scott shows up confronts Gideon and Gideon the whole time is like, dude, we're good now. Cause he's being that cocky, arrogant. You're not going to try and fight me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm better than you. I won. She's willingly here. Wink, wink. And, um, Scott goes to fight him and he's like, why on earth would you want to fight me for her? He's like, cause I love her. And just a katana burst out of his chest. The power of love, dude. Scott earned the power of love and it shows his stats boosting in the corner oh but that's the funny thing about this is that love is not enough no he um well they're fighting and uh poor knives she shows up trying to get Ramona and Ramona's like what like what (laughs) yeah everyone shows up and like of course and Gideon just to really show you how much of a terrible person he is she tries to fight Gideon initially and he's like Hold on. He's like, hold on, Kung Pao chicken. Yeah. And I know. And it's like, because like I said, they're given lines to like really drive home. This guy is a terrible person. Yeah. He's also and, a racist if he, anyone forgot. But um, he's, they're fighting. And Scott has this big moment where he reveals to them. He's like, look, I basically cheated on both of you. I'm sorry. I should have, I should have done the right thing sooner. And I didn't. And of course, and I was like, you cheated on her? You cheated on me with her? And Ramona looks more disgusted, like, you cheated on me with knives? And and Scott goes, no, I cheated on her with you? There's a difference? You weren't <laughs> wrong? I don't know. I'm stupid. I'm Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> and then immediately gets stabbed by Gideon. Which he deserved. Sorry. I know. That's why <laughs> when people had issues with Scott's character, I'm like, dude, he literally gets killed over it yeah so it's the only uh, next step oh but this is when we find out that um ramona's under mind control yes because when when scott initially gets killed i do remember in the theater because i like you said like you were i was blind going in so i was like hold on what this is following like a video game logic the hero doesn't die in a video game but then you find out that one up he got from the twins comes into play and he gets a redo but when he's in his little, like, I don't know, purgatory place, that's when Ramona reveals that Gideon's controlling her. There's a chip that looks suspiciously like the Triforce on the back <laughs> of her neck. It's, we know what it is. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> the but kids at home may not, but we know what it is. And the, each of the 
triangles is a G. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He has that kind of arrogance. And um, uh, like he's he's a Gideon is one of those like villains you can so easily hate and you love hating him. Mm-hmm. Perfect heel. So um, Scott gets a redo, but you notice this time he's not timid anymore. He's not like he just starts wailing on people, and as soon as he shows up. Which it's funny, the dialogue's almost the exact same, and but Scott's like, No, 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 we're not doing this again. I'm skipping the cutscene. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, um, oh, that was clever. <laughs> and, yeah, and when Gideon once again goes, So why are you fighting me for her? And Scott goes, Oh, oh I'm sorry, do you love her? He goes, No, I'm fighting I'm fighting you for me. He gets a blue katana. It's like Scott earned the power of self respect. <laughs> Which he wins with well. Because he apologizes to everyone and makes yeah. up with his band, and then they they turn back into the real sex bomb. It's all it's all a neat little bow. Because yeah. <laughs> he apologizes to like he apologizes to the to Stills for a band for just bailing on the band. Apologizes to Neil for always kind of well everyone did. It's funny that only Scott apologized for looking down on him. Right. But, um, <laughs> but he's like, you're no longer young Neil. You were just simply Neil. Neil. And he looks so like honored. The best moment of his whole life. <laughs> he's yeah, so he psyched. And he apologizes to Kim, which is the first time you see her smile in the entire movie. And uh, yeah, he just immediately apologizes. They ha- and like I said, and you notice in the cor- I love the little detail of the stats he gets from the self respect sword is higher than the power of love sword, as it should and, be. <laughs> you yeah. gotta you gotta love yourself and, before you can love someone else. Absolutely. And so they have that big, like, almost anime-like, where the you have the two guys like swing the swords at each other, at each other to see who dies. And Gideon just falls over, and uh, Scott's looking around, going, "Okay, knives, I know you're here. Let's just get this over with." And he they start fighting, and he immediately stops both of them, going, "Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I was a terrible person. Please forgive me. If you want nothing to do with me, I understand." but I have to apologize because you shouldn't be fighting over me. And it, it really shows a character growth. Like he finally gets it. Yeah. And they even show it in his brain too. Yeah. <laughs> gets it. That's it. <laughs> but um, yeah, of course. And Gideon being a true final boss, he's not dead yet because no true final boss goes down that easily. Never. And he has these chewing gum. He's like, are we going to fight or what? And he does little ninja signs before pulling out his amazing sword and he's like fighting Scott with one hand. <laughs> I was like, you are a cheap boss and I love it. it he plays it perfectly too. Jason Schwartzman's so good. <laughs> that's, that's, oh man. And of course, and the cool thing is Ramona and Nice get involved and Nice actually plays a huge part in helping Gideon get killed. Yeah. It's it's all and, a team effort because everyone's on the same page now, and yeah, it's almost like they're like and you're if you're sitting there going, well, that sounds like a moral lesson because it is. Yeah, this whole movie's a moral lesson if you haven't figured it out by now. <laughs> yeah, and because by working to, like a true final boss, everyone has to work together to beat him. Exactly, and it's and I, oh, go ahead, go no 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 go ahead. Okay, uh, but it's just funny because the moment where knives is like holding up his legs and just like punts him in the face and so he lands on his knees which is a cool moment 
Yeah, that was kind of awesome. <laughs> and of course, he starts to glitch out because he's, I guess you could say, like, he has like that 1% health left. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you can't beat me. I'm actually successful. <laughs> and he's like, you know how long it took me to get the guild together? Like, League? Whatever. It took two hours. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty straightforward. And he convinced them all to fight. <laughs> I know. And, um, of course, you know, and Scott hits them. And it's the first time since the very first fight where you get the Street Fighter Alpha soundbite of the KO, which I'm glad they ha- they didn't overuse that. Yeah, thank so you. It, <laughs> yeah, it felt it, it was almost cathartic when you heard that KO. Because you're like, he's gone. And it's over. Even yeah. And even Ramona is like, she one of the things I liked about this movie didn't mention real fast. Because once you find out about the chip, since I've seen this movie multiple times, there's actually multiple times where you will hear the noise of that chip throughout the other fights. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense actually. That that's yeah. an interesting little detail. Yeah. Yeah, because like a couple of times, and you'd see her like reach for the back of her neck whenever the two of them would start getting close. Mm-hmm. And the noise you'd hear that little like uh little like uh I don't know, screen noise. I don't know how to describe it, but like a high pitch ring. So they've been hinting at the chip the whole movie, but you know, with it finally deactivated, Ramon is like, I haven't felt this good in years. And of course, at the very end, you have to fight and Gideon's like with his glasses. Cause of course that's how he talks. That's what he talks through. He's like, you have defeated me, but can you beat yourself? And you just get this like super over saturated black and white version of Scott. So like evil Scott Pilgrim. It's and funny. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And he's like, I gotta fight this myself. And they just hear solo round. And the, the best part about all of it is that like, or like, I love that they just talk it out. Cause it, it's so it's the perfect way to encapsulate like how much Scott has changed. And how, like, he's learned his entire lesson about, number one, standing up for himself and having self-respect. But also, like, just about being a good person in general. Like, it, it doesn't take much. And having the communication, the wherewithal to communicate with someone. And especially with yourself, too. And they're just walking yeah. out of the, they're closing the garage door behind him. And they're just having a nice chat. I was, number one, I was laughing. Number two, <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. That's all I wanted out of this. Because I was... At this point, I was like, one more battle might take it out of me. And That's true. And they understood that. Oh, it was so funny. It was so and good. The, and the best part, too, is they even like, like wait, what happens? Like, oh, we just, we just talked for a while. It's like, he's actually a really cool guy. We're going to meet up next week for, for some food. And you're like, what? <laughs> and, oh, uh, it's great. And they have that cool moment where he like basically touches base with both of them and be like, hey, I'm in case I haven't made it clear enough, I'm super sorry for how I've been. And they both forgive him. And Ramona starts to walk off because you kind of see Knives and Scott like having a genuine connection. And uh, when she started walking off, I remember in the theaters, I was like, no, this isn't how it ends. He's right back where he started if that's how it, no. And Knives straight up tells Scott, go get her. You did all of this for her. Yeah, just dude, come on. Yeah, you know, and I was like, thank you. A movie that finally understands. Like, subverting expectations is fine. But 
when the whole goal of the movie has been to earn the love of a single person, they should end up with that person. And I, I do love that Nyes is like, hey, man, I'm too cool for you anyway. I'm like, yes, you are. Yeah, I was like, you're right. <laughs> um, you're absolutely correct on that. But And we talked about this off air. I do appreciate that when he went over to Ramona to talk to her and say, hey, let's give this another shot. They both agree that they're starting over completely. Yeah. It's the only way it should be. Yeah, which is to really help put a cherry on the, you know, on the Sunday of Cot has truly grown and he's finally a, a true adult. He's not just a man child. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some people who unfortunately they go much older before they finally have that moment. But luckily Scott got it at 22. Yeah, he, so, fi- he figured it out way before some people. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And um, of course, and it ends with them because there's it's a reference to the books of like the door with the star on it. And that's what they walk through. And that's kind of some weird point. There's a couple of weird points in the movie that people don't quite get. And if you haven't read the books, it's like, what is happening? But it was a nice little touch of them being like, well, now we don't know if it's going to be successful or not, but we know they're going to give it a shot. Because the big thing, too, is Ramona now no longer has baggage. She's no longer running from her past because that was her big flaw is that she would just bail every time stuff got difficult. She was afraid of conflict. Yeah, she was afraid of conflict and scared of commitment because when she would reveal some of her the backstories with some of the other exes, she straight up was like, yeah, I dumped Lucas the moment Todd showed up because he Todd was better. And Scott's like, that's evil. She goes. Yeah, that's how I used to be. I'm trying to be a better person. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going 50%. But yeah, that, that's the whole point of this movie. And I mean, just in conclusion, like this entire story wraps up really nicely. And there's a lot to take away from it, too, just on a personal level. Like for everyone, like I'm sure people watching this movie, like not everyone's going to be like Scott, but I'm sure everyone understands like the value of communicating with your loved ones, communicating with people you care about and not always being selfish to the point where you're forgetting about, you know, your responsibilities and what it means to be an adult and what it means to be a person. And on top of that, we get some awesome looking fights and some ridiculousness. And that's why this movie's special to me. Absolutely. It's what I love about it's like, cause sometimes people think, Oh, comedies can't touch on deep subjects. Like, yes, they can. If anything, they can touch on deep subjects more because they can dive deeper into them because they do such ridiculous things without it being overwhelming. Right. <laughs> yeah. Without it getting so dark where you're just like, Oh, I need to go take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I need to but, go put on something with a lot of primary colors. <laughs> right. Uh, I will say too, cause I mentioned it earlier. Like if you haven't read the books as well, I cannot recommend them enough. Cause one, the art style is very, it's just, it's, it's great. And there's a lot of differences. Obviously, a lot of the way the exes, the fights went between the exes and Scott are different. And uh, the biggest difference, and we talked about this off air of like, in the fifth or sixth book is when he fights his, he fights his evil self before he fights Gideon in the books. Because Scott almost becomes an evil ex. Mm-hmm. And Gideon actually offers for him to join the league. Because he's like, hey, if you're good enough to beat those other guys, how about you just team up with me? join the um, league (laughs) basically he has the you know join the dark evil always wins because good is dumb 
like has that moment. <laughs> and, um, uh, that's why it was really cool in the books. Cause it shows Scott confronting the fact that he didn't realize that because he wasn't confronting the, his very obvious flaws, he was going to become an evil ex. Cause that, and he dealt with that. So that way he could properly go fight Gideon. I understand why they changed that for the movie. Cause creatively it needs to be different. I think even Brian, the creator of the book said he wanted the movie to be different from the book. So people have a reason to appreciate both. Right. Which was smart. Yeah. And I also just respect Edgar Wright and the, the gosh, pumping six, mo- six books into a under two hour movie and making it work. <laughs> yeah. Just mad respect. Cause I know like if it were to be made now, which I know it's not going to be because Scott Pilgrim very much is a cult classic of people would, go crazy in the worst way possible if a remake was ever made or a uh series the only thing i think people would accept is like an animated series yeah it well it's completely unnecessary to the point where like it would backfire severely absolutely the only thing i've heard is uh ramona the actress has suggested making a sequel and not like in the same vein where he has to fight seven new people but like Something of like 10 years, you know, now it's been 10 years of like, what is their life like? Did things work out between Scott and Ramona? Which that's one of those, like, I like the idea on paper. No idea if that would actually work in a movie. I like it just the way it is. I think it should stay. (laughs) Absolutely. This is one of those. It's kind of like back to the future. We're done. Don't touch it. It's perfect as is. Leave it alone. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah, that's my big thing is like, I just go read the books. So that way you can see one, I think to me, it gave like we said, a greater appreciation for the movies to see like how much they had to work with and having to make the painful decision of what do you keep? What do you take out? And I also would suggest the game because it's re-releasing. I don't know if it's out yet, but um, the Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game, the definitive edition. So it has all the DLC characters, which was knives, Wallace and I think Thills was the three characters you could play as that they brought in through DLC play the game too because that has phenomenal music as well so just I'm so I'm just happy we were able to talk about this since it's been 10 years since the movie whose tagline was an epic of epic epicness <laughs> came out uh, it's fantastic but either way Thank you guys so much for joining us today on this very special episode. Every episode's a special episode. This one's special. I just repeated myself. But thank you again for joining us. This was a lot of fun to talk about, and we're going to be talking about something uh, wrestling-related next week, so please join us for that as well. And we want to thank you again for supporting us and for being our listeners and for being you know, a quasi-family to us. We have so much fun doing this, and we appreciate that there's people who love to listen and join into this conversation with us. It really means a lot. And if you can share it with your friends and family, share it wherever you want that it would mean a lot to us and it does make a difference. And we are always going to be putting out content. So don't worry about that. And thank you. I, that's just, I can't say thank you enough. It's the season for being thankful because it's almost Thanksgiving now Halloween's yeah. kind of over, so <laughs> it's almost Thanksgiving. So thank yeah. you guys so much. And, you know, once again, we are the Internet War. Ugh. 
Wow, let's try that again. I'm leaving that in because it's funny. (laughs) We are the Internet World Order. I'm Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And we will see you guys soon. See you guys.